This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome to Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Spencer. Boys, we are getting ready for the World Cup here. I can't believe we're finally here. Spencer, how excited are you? Andrew, excited would be an understatement. This is the Mona Lisa of soccer tournaments, um, specifically as U.S. fans like yourself and I. It is kind of the tournament, um, you know, gold cups, they're, they're fun once in a while. I like winning them, especially over Mexico, but, uh, we haven't had one of these in a while and as exciting as 2018 was, even without us there having the U S having our boys there, I am, um, just absolutely bricked up just going into this, man. How about you? It's so nice to have some skin in the game, man. You're right. A World Cup. I mean, we watch soccer every weekend, right? We're watching soccer we have nothing to do with. To have some actual skin in the game, we're back, baby. We got the USA going into this World Cup. And we got a bunch of other teams too. It's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. Oh, we got a lot of other teams. Um, thirty one of them to be exact. Thirty one other teams besides the US. Uh and you and I, this is the beginning of the road. We're breaking down all of them for you guys. All we of them. are diving into every team. We've gotten into the nitty gritty of all of these teams at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And we've done all the dirty work to research these teams like Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, Ecuador, Tunisia oh. Cameroon, all these teams that you probably don't know anything about, not to go at your soccer knowledge, but these teams that are a little more obscure, Andrew, because we all kind of at least have an idea of what's going on with your Argentinas, your Brazils, your England, your Frances. We got but, those two, though. We, we got, got those, those two, two, though. We got our own little spin on those, but casual, non-casual, we got, we got whatever you need, right? Whether you want to just settle the, you want to have just a little comment about, you know, oh, what's Iran? What are they? Yeah. They're real defensive. Watch out for their strikers though. Boom. Got it. Yeah. When you're at a little watch party, watching the game, when you're at a little watch party with your friends here, you'll be able to like dive in and be like, oh, here's a little nugget about Iran. When your friends are like, I don't know anything about this team. Oh. I know their strikers. I know their play pattern of play. I know their manager. Like you can just sound smarter and you know, just tell your friends where you learn. Just be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, reviews, all of that. Follow us on Twitter. Just give us a little love. But you know, that's all we're asking for really here. But um, I can't wait to get into these, Andrew. How about you, man? I am absolutely ready for our nitty gritty group pods. Here I'm gonna go ahead. Go. I'm gonna go ahead. Um I'm there's a bit of an elephant in the room here. So Andrew and I, we initially planned on dropping this as like two podcasts, but you know, we had so much great info for you guys. We didn't want to cut it down. We're, we're going four deep this week, Andrew. We're going four, four deep. deep. Every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll be dropping these for you two groups at a time. And we just have all types of content for you on this, guys. Like, 
I'll tell you, like, I, I thought my notes were good. I was wondering what Andrew had to bring to the table. His were just as good, and theirs just were jam-packed. We're bursting at the seams for knowledge of these teams. And I'll tell you, I've been listening to some podcasts because, you know, I'm just – I can't get enough World Cup, World Cup content. I, I am a true sicko. I can't get enough World Cup content, though, Andrew, and I've listened to – some other podcasts talk about, you know, stuff like this and go through their previews. And I'll tell you, um, I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but I think we're the creme de la creme of these breakdowns, man. Absolutely. We are going to give you way more info than you need. It's going to help you enjoy the games, see, know what's going on. And honestly, just get excited. Just get excited. We're back with Elite Soccer World Cup. Here we go. We are back, baby. So, with that, we're going to throw it back to uh, non-post-production world, and we're going to get into these groups, Andrew. Uh, we're kicking off with groups A and B today on this podcast. If you do hear us at any time in this pod or any of the pods over the next couple of days, reference something about getting into the other groups. There are going to be two at a time, guys. Uh, just two groups at a time, not four. Like I said, that was the original plan. We recorded this initially, um, but... Uh, we figured you guys didn't want, you know, just crazy drug down podcasts and we're going to spread them out for you guys and just keep you, you know, keep you edging all, all saturated, nice and wet all week (laughs) leading into the first game on Sunday, Andrew. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's throw it back to our past selves as of, uh, you know, 12 hours ago or so. And we're going to throw it back and get into groups A and B. What do you say, Andrew? Let's do this thing, man. Let's go. Well, how we're starting off this tournament is uh, where else but with the host of the tournaments, Qatar. Um, A, how should you say, divisive country? Um, Lots of opinions out there about it. Uh, You know, we're not really going to get into the politics of it, you know, on this show here. Uh, probably not worth it. You can think what you want, but like, you know, Middle Eastern country, small population, very rich, not a much of football, not a bunch of football history, soccer history. Sorry, this is an American podcast. I won't say football. I've said I won't say football. I, I for one, am shocked that this uh, money with or country with a lot of money has able to uh, persuade the um, forthright people at FIFA to to get their tournament. That's shocking to me, but. What about the actual team itself, Spencer? The host team always does get an automatic bid, and was that the only way Qatar were going to make it here? Um, yeah, probably. I will not bullshit you, Andrew. That Andrew, that's probably the only reason they're here. Um, is because of their willingness to give Set Bladder a shitload of money. But um, nonetheless, they are here, and the Qatari boys are managed by. Felix Sanchez boss of Spain. Um, They obviously did not go through a qualifying cycle, but um, they qualified automatically and they played in some fixtures. They played in the gold cup last year against the U S lost on penalties. But um, the key players of the team were looking at Akram Afif, who is a winger and a talisman, kind of their playmaker, the guy who's going to drive the most offense for them. And you're also looking at their captain, um, Al Sheeb. Sa- Some of these Sa- names are just going to be a nightmare, and man. These are, 
These are tough, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm not diving in. This is why uh, you listen to us, guys, because I know you sickos, no matter how sick you are, you're not diving into the Qatari League to see what's going on here. So you're going to have to struggle with me as I struggle through these names. But the captain, Saad Al-Sheeb, who won the best goalkeeper at the 2019 Asian Games, um, both of those guys play for Al-Saad in Qatar. Um, They have a lot of domestic players, man, a lot of domestic players, a lot of guys that most of us haven't really ever seen before. I've only kind of seen some of them yourself too, Andrew, because they were in the gold cup uh, that mm-hmm. we talked about yep. a second played, played against the U S but um, other than that, uh, their play style is pretty defensive. They're going to look to sit back. They're going to look to counter. Uh, they run a five, three, two most time. And yeah, they're going to let their opponents probably at this tournament have a lot of the ball and see if they can catch him napping. Uh, as far as weakness, talent. It's really just talent, Andrew. Um, they obviously don't have many household names on this team. They haven't really played a ton of competitive fixtures, honestly, either in the last couple of years. Uh, it's, they're really an unknown. They're um, even compared to tournament hosts in the past, like Russia at the previous World Cup, where we kind of didn't exactly know what to expect. This one is uh, kind of that times 10. Um, we just really don't have a decent sample size on this team and to know what really to expect from them when this tournament comes around. Um, that said, the little bit we do have, they played some friendlies in 2022 uh, to a couple teams that have like made the World Cup. They, Well, one of them at least. In Canada, they lost to Canada 2 nothing. Um, but Chile, who's not going to be at this World Cup, but is a decent South American side, they did manage a draw against them too, too, a while back, a few months ago. So, like I said, the jury's kind of out on Qatar. Um, we're just going to kind of have to see what we get when we get into the tournament. Um, obviously, with hosts, only one host has ever not made it out of the group stage, which was South Africa in 2010. Um yep. Will they join that list or will they join the list of a lot of other teams that have gone on and made serious runs on some circumstances? Um, we're just going to have to wait and see. They did get a decent draw of a group as we'll get into the rest of the teams in a second here. But yeah, um, we're just kind of in wait and see mode with Qatar, Andrew. Absolutely. Um, you you bring up a lot of good points there. It's not an overpowering group. Um only one team in there would be, you know, designated as a traditional world power. And even then you're missing out on um, historically some of the cream of the crop. Spencer will break down what we think of the Netherlands and that this game. But you kind of bring up an interesting thing between them and Russia, right? Who was the last uh, team to host the World Cup there. But the Russian team had players playing in major leagues for major teams, right? Not a lot of them, right? And uh, <laughs> their methods for playing so well at the World Cup may completely be uh under what examination uh question we'll uh well again we'll leave that for another time but it wasn't completely unknown players these are completely almost unknown players here yeah Um, and even then andrew like um there were unknowns on that russian team but that was more because they played domestically um the russian league's obviously been kind of obliterated with the ongoing ukraine conflict but at that point in time in 2018, we rated the Russian league as like one of the 
okay leagues in Europe. Uh, the Qatari league is just not up to that san- standard. Like I said, a lot of the players are domestic. A lot of them are on the same team that seems to dominate the Qatari league. So we really don't know what to expect. But even that, maybe uh, maybe something in their favor. They play together domestically, right? You'd think they'd have some cohesion there. But um, I think probably the biggest question, um, you brought up the uh, South African team, and I think maybe uh, Qatar's headed the same way here as um, a host team not destined, not not long for this tournament, right, outside of their hosting duties. But to me, the big question is, will Qatar score? And will they be fun in the same way as the South African African team was in that World Cup? Fofana, Fofana. So, my thinking here is, and this is simply my opinion, is that they're not going to be a complete rollover in this group. Um, I think there is something to a team that hosts, for one. Uh, typically, they're going to at least make a bit of noise. Uh, just from history's sake, that's kind of told us in the past. Scoring, yeah, it, it might be a struggle for them. That said, they did impress me in that game we uh, previously mentioned with the U.S. last year. Like They were an okay team at the Gold Cup. I, granted, a lot of teams in CONCACAF are not of the highest standard, but they were able to make it. That was a semifinal when we eliminated them, so they yes. they, they didn't do nothing. They took the U.S. to penalties, or it was a late penalty that won the game, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, one of the two there. Either way, it was competitive, you know, without even double-checking. I'd say competitive for about 80 minutes, and it wasn't, you know, the U.S.'s A team, but even then, it was, uh, right. it was scary at the time. Right, so I think they will, if you're expecting them to show up to the tournament and just lose every game 3-0 or something, I think that you may be surprised by them. Um, well, also, like I said, we're going to get into the other teams in this group. There's some vulnerabilities on some of these other teams, too, that I think Qatar has a chance to exploit. So to answer your question, uh, yes, I do think that they will score. They will make some noise at this tournament. They won't be a simple punching bag. But uh, how much of that noise will they make is yet to be seen. Absolutely. Um, and Spencer, what else? You kind of mentioned the uh, the other teams in this group and maybe not being the uh, uh, the strongest group that we have in this. Spencer, why don't you tell us about some of the other teams here? So we're moving on to probably the other biggest unknown in this group, and that would be Ecuador, who are managed by Gustavo Alfaro of Argentina. Um, he took over in 2020 and... The results for Ecuador, for a country that's not necessarily a regular at this tournament, um, they've been sensational. Um, they qualified fourth out of Cannon Bowl, um, ahead of teams like Colombia and Chile, who are kind of regulars at this tournament, I'd say. Um, and they've got some good players, man. Um, you look at Brighton, they've got a few of them themselves. But uh, the two guys I've chosen to highlight are Moises Caicedo and Perez Estupi. Estupinan from Estupinan. Estupinan. Sorry, my Spanish, not great. Swedish Um, is fantastic, though. Great. (laughs) Just fantastic. But uh, two guys at Brighton. uh, Caicedo's a midfielder. He's been very good this season in the Premier League. And Estupinan 
has is a wing back and he's also been very good. He's been part they both been a, like really key parts to that Brighton team that's really been in a lot of people's eyes overachieving this year. Um the squad itself, they are very young and energetic. Uh they typically in qualifying have lined up in a 4-4-2, but they've shown a lot of versatility uh, against weaker teams. They're not afraid to take the game to them, whereas against the powerhouses like Brazil and Argentina, they'll play a bit more behind the ball. But they do not play just to sit back and let you attack them the entire game. They're, they're going to press. They're, like I said, young, energetic, and they're going to play a relatively positive style for a smaller nation um weakness wise they can be inconsistent they had in qualifying some big results against brazil and argentina uh, but they also lost to lower opposition in cotton bowl they they dropped points to venezuela i believe at one point who finished bottom of the group so they are a bit consistent you kind of mixed bag don't know what you're going to get game in game out with ecuador uh but their form coming into this world cup is in their recent friendlies against Saudi Arabia and Japan, they both finished nil-nil. So decent opposition. The same teams the U.S. actually played leading up to this World Cup. Uh, they got more of a result against Japan than the U.S. did, which is take with that what you will. But overall, um, there's a lot of buzz about this Ecuadorian team, man. Uh, one of the better teams they've ever really fielded. I know particularly talking to you when we had the draw, I was kind of hoping to get them in our group, but the more you kind of dive into them, they've got some exciting pieces and they're young inexperienced. Um, not as much as Qatar as we were just talking about. We, we kind of know a bit more of what to expect from them, but they're a bit of a wild card in this group, Andrew. All right. I love that. I love the Caicedo. I love the Estupinion. Gonzalo Plata on the wing, too, I think is a good attacking player for them. He's been around for a while. Um, my question to you about the Ecuadorian national team here is why do I think Ecuador might win this group? Why do I think that? I know, to answer my own question a little bit, it is because you touched on it, but Moises Sacedo is like my favorite midfielder right now in the Premier League. I'm assuming I, yeah, you've seen me get excited about a midfielder before. Sometimes they're named Fede Valverde. Sometimes they're named Moises Salcedo. And I just start believing in big things. And I think maybe this group is uh, ripe for the picking there with Ecuador. So I wouldn't say it's the craziest of predictions. Uh, I don't know if that is your prediction of them winning the group. We'll get into predictions in the next pod, but, or actually at the end of this uh, roundup, we'll kind of say what we think that how the group's going to fall, but yeah, man, it's it's tough. I, I think that I, I can very much equally see them winning this group and finishing bottom of this group. They're really inconsistent at times. Um, if we get that good Ecuador that like was able to hold Brazil and Argentina to draws, uh, I would say both of those teams on paper aren't, like the Netherlands aren't as good as, as either of those teams. Um, so they would have a good chance in this group. And that would be, I think the chalk favorite of winning this group is in the Netherlands, obviously who we'll get into in a second, but yeah, I, I don't think it's the craziest conception that they could make a lot of noise in this group, but we honestly just kind of got to see which side shows up, I guess at the end of the day. 
my my thoughts exactly. I just I started looking at this team and I was like, oh, he's Ecuadorian. I like him. Oh, he's I like his stupinion. Oh, I like all of a sudden there were too many players. I just have a little pet crush on uh, going into they're, this, but they're very sneaky good. A lot of sneaky good players on there, and yeah, just kind of depends on the day. We'll see what team we get. And we will. And uh, who who else do we have in the group here? You mentioned uh, Netherlands. We also got Senegal. Let's uh, make sure we grab them as well. Yeah, let's go ahead. We'll dive into the Netherlands like next here. And um, Louis Van All, the manager, uh, been there for a minute now. They qualified by finishing top of Group G in UEFA. Went seven two and one in the group. Their only loss was to Turkey in Turkey. Uh, they returned the favor to Turkey by battering them six one when they played the reverse fixture in the Netherlands. So, kind of got justice there. And this is a good squad, man. Like I said, these got these guys got to on paper be the favorites for this group. Um, Player wise, I mean, a lot of guys that we're all familiar with: Virgil Van Dyke, obviously of Liverpool. Uh, Memphis Depay and Frankie de Jong of Barcelona, you know, Malin of Dortmund. They, they've got a lot of good players on this team. Um, they will be without Gigi Wijnaldum of PSG fractured his shin um, a while back. They do have, I mentioned Depay a second ago, um, along with the lick, they've been carrying Knox, but they were named the squad. So both of those guys will be there, but maybe hampered a little bit in what they're able to provide. And um, surprisingly, would you believe me if I told you that the Netherlands does not play a 4-3-3 right now, Andrew? No. No. The traditional Dutch 4-3-3 has been cast aside by Mr. Van Gaal. He's playing with a 5-3-2 or a 3-4-1-2 most of the time uh, nowadays. And basically he was interviewed about this because it's kind of a hot topic in the Netherlands because, you know, they are probably in the way of the English, a bit of football snobs at time and not playing a 4-3-3 is like a cardinal sin to them. And uh, Luis just said that he believes it lets him keep possession and doesn't keep them as susceptible to a counterattack and, Honestly, you can't argue with the results, like the way the qualifying is going. Um, that said, goalkeeper is a weird one, and it kind of always has been for the Netherlands. They've never really been super well-established in net, but even more so now. Um, Jasper Sielesen was the number one for a long time, and he's now not even on the squad for this World Cup. Um, it'll probably be Bilo who's going to start in net for them. Uh, with Noppert and Passer behind them, but these guys are guys, experienced older guys, but guys that don't have a ton of first-team reps at big tournaments for this team. Um, along with the midfield being a bit of a weakness in that we know Frankie de Jong is very, very good. Uh, we don't really know who's going to play next to them. they got a couple guys they really cycled through in qualifying. Uh, Coop Miners, Klaassen, Bergheis, Javi Simons, uh, the young 19-year-old was even named to the squad. Um, oh, wow. Hasn't played a ton with them, but maybe even he slides into there. And uh, we're not going to see Ryan Gravenberch, who went to Byron in the summer, I believe, if you remember. And yes. very good young player, but was not even named to the squad by Van Gaal. So we won't He's see him in there. But yeah. He's not been having a great run at Byron. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So it's going to be one of those guys. We don't really know who. Those guys are all good players. Um, none of them super duper stand out as being world class. Maybe Simons eventually, but he might. he's probably not to that level. It might be a tournament too early for him to be a truly world class player. So it is a bit of a question of who's going to be in that midfield with uh, Frankie de Jong. But coming into this tournament, they've been playing a lot of really high-profile competitive matches in the Nations League uh, in Group A, and they they just beat Belgium to qualify for the final. And they're unbeaten in their last five in the Nations League with uh, just a draw to Poland in there, and everything else is a win. So they come into this tournament flying pretty high, and on paper, like I said, they got to be the chalk in the class of this group. So it's hard to pick against them, man. We'll get into predictions in a minute, but... Not a ton to not like about this Dutch team. Which leads right in my, I have two questions actually for the Netherlands, but the first one you basically answered, is there any reason not to pick the Dutch to win this group? The only reason I would give you to not pick the Dutch is that, like I said, if they have some type of meltdown in nets, they really are unestablished there. And we see some just howlers going in and they just, drop a game here or there. Maybe if you really believe in Ecuador or Senegal or Qatar for some reason. Um, the Netherlands are a very strong team in this tournament, but they're not Brazil, Argentina. They, they can be gotten to a bit more than some of those super, super powerhouses. I believe their odds off the top of my head are somewhere around plus 1,200 or something. They're not in that top five or six group of favorites. Uh, they're definitely favored in this group, but... They have a team that can be gotten to a bit more than some of those super, super powers. And then <clears throat> that's great. I think the second question I would have there is a little more selfish. I have money on Memphis Depay to win the Golden Boot. Am I ever seeing that money here again? I got 20, 20 plus 2,500. So I'd love for it to cash. As enticing as those odds are, uh, I would be concerned if I was you about getting your return on investment on that one simply because he is coming into this tournament a little bit knocked up. Um, he's not playing a ton for Barcelona. That's We don't have to dive in. We don't have enough time in the world to dive into all the drama at Barcelona and what the hell is going on there. Especially now but, if we want to stay on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But uh, he is a talisman on this team. He's going he, – a lot of the offense, he is a guy that bags a lot of the goals for this team. Uh I would say my biggest worry about him at this particular tournament is just that his form is not the best it's ever been and the knockies carry. Well, I got to say it was a uh, it was a bet made more based on the odds and about 6 months ago when this looked like a very, you know, an easier group for him and a Dutch team that was flying high, but uh let's, You should have put the money on a uh, folk hero Voot Veghorst. No, 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 no. It's my money, not yours. Your money would have absolutely <laughs> gone after your boy, Woot. Colt Hero, Woot Veghorst, uh, FIFA 22 <laughs> legend. I was going to say, I think the Colt is just your, uh, your <laughs> is just your run in FIFA there on the... Uh, I'm starting the fan club, Ultimate man. team, if you guys, ultimate if you, team. That's what it is. Yeah, hey, yeah. If you guys, guys want to join, just let it be known. I'll, I'm, I'm accepting applications for the Woot Veghorst fan club right now. Yeah, you get a free chance to meet Woot because there's not that many of you guys. All right, on to more pressing topics than third-string strikers for the Netherlands. Spencer, Senegal, what do we think? Senegal. 
they are a popular pick to finish runners up in this group or at least advance, whether it be first or second. They're managed by Aliu Dise, who is Senegalese. And they qualified by um, AFCON AFC qualifying. It's a bit weird if you're not familiar with it. Basically, they are all in groups, the winners of the groups. Uh, there's five spots, I believe, all together. So the 10 winners of the 10 groups all play a home and away fixture, kind of like a Champions League fixture. And whoever comes through those five fixtures, home and away, are the teams that go to the World Cup. So they obviously won their group, and then they played Egypt. Uh, if you do remember that, they also played in the Cup of Nations a uh, couple months before, and they beat them in this as well on penalties again. So they head to the World Cup after that. Their key players, some guys, really familiar names. Sadio Mane, obviously a Bayern, formerly of Liverpool, is the big guy on this team. But uh, they also are rocking with a couple of Chelsea big guns in Kaladu Koulibaly and Edouard Mindy, guys that Andrew's pretty familiar with over there. Play style-wise, they are an attacking side. Uh, they typically run a 4-3-3, and they're going to want a good amount of the ball, at least in African competitions that they played. Obviously, some of the teams in Africa aren't to the level of like a Netherlands or maybe even an Ecuador, so it will be a little interesting to see if that style changes a little bit against those bigger sides. Um, Weakness-wise, defensive depth outside of Koulibaly is shaky at best, I'd say. Not a ton there to really love, but it's got it done so far for them. And a lot of the reason that that's worked for them is that Edward Mindy between the sticks has been a very solidifying force for this team, but he's not in form, as Andrew will tell you, at Chelsea right now. Uh, he's been struggling this year, so it's a bit of a concern if he's not completely at it, if this team can kind of reach their full potential. Um They've had some tough defensive showings of late, even. Uh, they lost 4-3 to Zambia, who is not a highly regarded team in Africa, not a team that you would want to concede four goals to. So there are some cons- concerns there. Um, and outside that Zambia loss, just in current form, it's been pretty poor, too. They, they def- also suffered a defeat to Eswatini in Mozambique. Um, they defeated Bolivia in a friendly recently, and they also had a draw against Iran, but a team that was a very popular pick, like I said, to get out of this group, they're struggling of late Andrew. And there's some real concerns here in particular. Uh, I think I glossed over injuries there, but Saudi Omane is carrying a knock into this world cup. And that's a really big concern. Uh, yes. When your best players, not at a hundred percent, just also in injuries, they're missing uh Buna Sar who would help the defense. As I said, might be a bit of a liability, He's uh, a Bayern, and he's missing because of a tear to the patellar tendon. So, yeah, man, this uh, team, like I said, a lot of people really getting behind this team, but there's a lot to be worried about here in my research. I I agree with you 100%. And the Mane thing, I mean, just an injury is like underselling it. Five days ago, Bayern, po- you know, he limps off versus on the Bayern's, I think, last match or the last one he was in. And all of a sudden, they didn't think he was going to even be even be able to go. He yeah, gets it was a big na- question whether he would even be at this World Cup. So even to be on the squad was 
to some people quite surprising. Uh, it's it's very possible he's not going to be fit for their first game. So, and that's really all the reporting we have at this point. Like it, it might be worse. He could be a complete decoy on this roster. We really don't know right now. Right. It, and it's, and that's kind of what brings me to the big question is like, can Senegal without get out of the group, even if he's playing, I guess, but not in the hundred percent, like can Senegal get out of the group without Mane being the best individual player in this group? I think that they could, um, they would need a lot of other things to go right for them though. They would, if Edward Mendy does find his form, if Koulibaly is playing a great tournament, if they have a couple guys who are more unknown to the rest of us step up and have good tournaments, they have a chance to get out of this group, even even if Sadio Mane doesn't play. But um, I think you're asking for a lot of things to go right. And like I said, I don't want to. We're, we're going to get into our predictions for this group in a second. I don't want to trounce on that i have serious doubts though that enough things are going to go right for this team to reach that potential i i i gotta agree with you man i got to agree with you i think uh i and just we can even just go right into my picks here if you want um i'll at least get you started off with uh i do have the netherlands topping the group uh spencer do you have anything different I will be riding the Dutch bus with you there. Voot Veghorst is going to carry this team to the number one spot in the group, bag a few goals, and they should comfortably advance in the top spot to me. I think Woot might be able to carry Depay's bag. Like he might help literally get things off the bus into the stadium, but I don't know that we're relying on Woot. Well, Voot is notoriously a very big man, so I think carrying a bag would not be a problem at all for him. Just throw a <laughs> little extra weight on there. All right. Um, second place, I uh, wasn't all talk earlier. This is where I got the Ecuadorians getting past Senegal. So, Andrew, I texted you earlier today, and I told you that I was terrified to put my name <laughs> to a bracket because I am an agent of chaos. I like to do fun, wacky things. And through my research, man, I've decided to just go completely bold. Only one team that hosts this tournament <laughs> has ever not made it out of the group stage. And South Africa, you are going to keep that honor because Qatar is going to edge their way out of this group in second place. Wow. Um, I felt good about my Ecuadorian pick getting getting out of this group and uh, maybe making a splash here. But going with the home nation is, uh, well, honestly, it's a tried and true method, but usually that home nation is not Qatar. Andrew, I don't feel good about it. I can't believe I just said it live on airwaves, but it's locked in now, baby. I'm riding with them. I, I got them in there. I just, um, I'll just to run through the other two, the way I haven't finished it. I, honestly, after the big two, it doesn't matter as much, but I have Senegal bottom of this group, man. I think that there's a lot of concerns there. Um, if you asked me a few months ago, I would have picked them to probably pretty comfortably finish second in this group, but yep. just the money injury and, the form of Mindy really are the two things that kind of have me worried about them. If that defense is even a little shaky, those shots that Mindy's been stopping of late, if he can't do that, like he hasn't been able to do that for club lately, I'm concerned about him. I have them bottom. I have, 
Ecuador finishing third. I think it'll be a dog fight between them and Cochar for that second spot, but I'm, I'm going to give the tiebreaker, I guess, to me is the home nation status and they're a wild card. And I think they just maybe get slept on a little bit and surprise a few teams. Um, just to kind of wrap it up there, kind of the same way as you, I do have Senegal finishing third for a lot of the same reasons you have them finishing fourth. Um, I've seen this Qatari lineup and did what I think most of us would do and put them at the bottom of the group before even really thinking about it. Um, I'd love for you to be right. I'd love for me to be right even more. Um, but no problem going bold immediately group a out the gate. History favor favors the bold here, Andrew. So, but not the guitarist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is no history. We went over that before, but (laughs) you got to start somewhere. But yeah, basically a famous Chelsea blog that I love that you're shouting out. There we go. (laughs) But yeah, basically that's a, that's group a Andrew. So we can move it along. Um, to Group B, which uh, yeah. is obviously a team very close to home in Group B in the United States, uh, playing our sworn nemesis of this podcast in our country, England. Mm-hmm. We also have the Welsh in there and the Iranians, a very interesting geopolitical group. Andrew, tell me a little more about it. Where do you want to start? Um, I'll I'll start with the with I, I guess I would say the proverbial favorites here. Um. England, absolutely the favorites for the group. Um, hey, look, uh, managed by Gareth Southgate. We know how we all feel here, right? Um, managed by Gareth Southgate here in his second tournament, um, in a second major tournament here after they uh, finished second at the Euros, uh, going down in pen- penalty kicks to Italy in a in a very famous final. Um, starting off with the key players, and we got a lot of them. We got Harry Kane, striker up top, Raheem Sterling. Bakayo Saka, Jude Bellingham, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Kieran Trippier. And, you know, that's leaving out guys like Declan Rice, right? It's a very flexible kind of system they have. They play with a back three and a back four. Um, Usually they put Declan Rice as the CDM there to kind of sit in front and protect that that back line. Um, as far as injuries, this is maybe one of the most, and we pay attention more to the English league, so we're going to notice these, but Ben Chilwell, Reese James, Emil Smith Rowe, um, are all huge people that they're missing out of this team, right? Reese James has been in incredible form this season before he got hurt. Um, Chilwell absolutely would have played, um, at least a role on this team right now. They're going between Luke Shaw and then throwing Karen Trippier over on the left in their three at the back with the wing backs. Um, This is a very deep team. That's kind of the takeaway from looking at the roster up and down. They go pretty well too deep at every, um, at every position here. And that's, I think the thing that in looking at this group kind of made me feel better about them than they are. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, if they don't have this guy, Oh, they have two other guys who can play behind them there. Um, oh, also, before I forget, they did not invite Fakayo Tomori, former Chelsea boy, who is playing very, very well for AC Milan um, in favor of bringing Harry Maguire and some other Harry more, Maguire <laughs> and some other more uh, questionable or, or less well-known, I would even say, um, center back options. It may work out, work, work out for Southgate, right, if he sticks by the old boys there, but then also not bringing Ivan Tony of Brentford, who scored twice on the weekend to take down your boys. Oh yeah, I did. Um, and then really that just kind of leaves 
weakness and um their weakness i would say is that kind of back three right um and then kind of the other thing i would say is historically england lets the pressure mount on them right everything is do or die for for england right and at the world cup or at the euros or anything like that and historically if they're missing penalties and they come up in these big moments they don't always get it done even when they're the better team so i would say maybe that's one of the bigger things you know just to have in the back of your mind as we go into this tournament here i'll tell you one weakness that you left out andrew did you know england has never beat the united states at a world cup i did know that i did know that and I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, mow your lawn for you, but I'm, I'm pretty fucking sure that the United States in this, is in this group. So that would be interesting. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dive into the boys in red, white, and blue in a second. <laughs> but just wanted to throw that little nugget in there. Absolutely. Um, one thing on England, I am curious. I have like an actual question too, but just out of your rundown, uh, mm-hmm. who do you think's going to play right back for this team with no? Reese James at the World Cup. Do you think it's going to be Trent or you think they go with Trippier? I think Trippier is maybe the kind of the guy in form right now. Um, you could talk me into they play Trippier on the left and they let Trent play on his more natural right because Trippier kind of is much more two-footed than Trent is. And then you kick out Luke Shaw, which I would be a fan of as somebody who can't can't say I ever watched Luke Shaw playing, but it's hard for me to be impartial. I hope they field their worst 11 against the United States. I hope that, you know, I hope Gary Southgate subs himself in as kind of a player coach situation. That'd be ideal for me. Okay. I, um, I would love to see Luke Shaw out there and he's one of Garrett's guys, which is going to kind of lend into my question here. My one burning question about England is, is this team carrying too many passengers to really make noise at this world cup based on tournaments past. Uh, we talked about Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, uh, guys like that. There's a couple other ones that are just escaping me at the moment, but uh, Calvin Phillips, even of city, sorry. Also, who's been great in the past. It's been hurt all year. Kyle Walker has been hurt all year and he's still named to the squad. So my question is just that and is Southgate, carrying too many guys based on things they've done in the past has he left out his best team a lot of his best players to bring these legacy guys and is that going to affect their prospects in this tournament i think for another team right that didn't just have so much success with almost this exact same group at the euros right it'd be very easy to look at a team playing younger guys like bakayo saka mason mount Phil Foden really bringing these guys up, Jude Bellingham even, right, to bring them up through the team in this way would alienate some of the older group. Um, but I, I I find myself not really believing in that just because they just showed it kind of wasn't a problem with the European squad. And I actually thought it was more of an issue with the European squad, with the team for the Euros, right, than for this World Cup team. So as much as I would love to say that was going to be the thing that trips them up, I'm I'm not sure. I think it's going to have to be the weight of English expectations and uh, maybe some shoddy goalkeeping or something like that. Well, may God please provide some combination of those things to allow them to falter at this tournament because absolutely we're all here for it. But that's enough about the English. Let's move on. Uh, where are we going next, Andrew, in this group? 
Oh, well, after talking about something we we truly hate talking about, we have to talk about something we truly love talking about. And that is Greg Berhalter's USA National Team. Back better than ever, eight years in the running, eight years in the making. Let's do this thing. Um, key players, me, key players, uh, Christian Pulisic, Wes oh, yeah. McKinney, Tyler, oh, yeah. Brandon oh, Anderson, yeah. Eunice Mason, oh, yeah. Serginho Dest. Stop, I can only get so erect. Anti or Anthony Jedi Robinson. Um, and and it goes on, it goes on and on. Um, the key injuries I would say we have are, of course, at center back where we need them the most. Um, enabling this Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, Cameron Carter Vickers, uh, Tim Ream back line that we're going to have some form of here is the injury to Chris Richards, who'd been playing as a sub for uh, Crystal Palace, but doing pretty well there, but he's been hurt most of the year. And then Miles Robinson, who I think really was maybe to me anyways, the most impressive part of that gold cup run, just he kind of came alive and was a big force in those games, especially as a young player still playing in MLS, right. To kind of show himself at that level. Um, but then he, he was, he got hurt. He's not going to be on this team. And I, I do think that they'll miss them here. Um, omissions. We have about, I don't know how long that podcast is that we just did, but we have, t- we have absolutely touched on the omissions of Ricardo Pepe. Um, Jordan P. Fock, Sibachu, um, the list goes on and on, but there, there's, there's quite literally an entire podcast for us to break that down. We got into um, a bunch of the omissions <laughs> on our last podcast. Go back and listen if you want to hear us talk about all of them. Right. And I, I do think those are probably the main two, because I think, um, despite we qualified with in pretty good form, we won the gold cup here. We've been faltering lately with form as we try to kind of find, the group that works together. I think um, the United States has a lot of things that do work well for them. I think the MMA midfield is great, right? I think having Musa, McKinney, and Adams playing together in that midfield is great. I think we have really good left and right backs with uh, Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson, right, going up and down the wing there. And I think we have good attacking talent with Pulisic, Reyna, Aronson, Tim Weah. Um, I'm sure I'm even leaving out guys. Giovanni Reyna. Um, but I that number nine piece and then the center backs right through the spine. We're weirdly missing people at the base and at the, at the top of the team there. Um, so we just need that to not be, I, we basically what we need is for Greg Berhalter to pull all the right strings here um, with our play style. We are absolutely married to that four, three, three. I would love to see him kind of surprise and do something a little bit different than that. Me and you have always talked about putting Reyna or Pulisic or Aronson as kind of a false nine just to get most of our good players on the field. But, you know, there's a time to do that and there's a time not to do it. And honestly, I can't tell if the World Cup is the time to do something crazy like that or the time to kind of, you know, dance with who brought you here. Um, and that is kind of how I see the world or the uh, men's national team going here. So I think we're going to, as this World Cup goes on, we're going to have a ton on the U.S., so I don't want to spend as much time as we could because I think we could talk the rest of the night just about the U.S. team because we have so many thoughts, concerns, all of that. So I'm just going to narrow it down quickly to just a burning question I have about them. And I kind of tried to go a little outside the box, something that we haven't really talked about before. Uh, so the question I actually have written down about them is, can this team win a game 
that's not on U.S. soil. Uh, we haven't really dove into that before. So, like, you look at qualifying, like, losing in Canada. Uh, draws in Mexico are nice. Uh, they, they drew in Jamaica, though. Drew in Panama. Uh, the only victory that's coming to my head right away is in Honduras, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Away form has been a problem for this team. Uh, like I said, the Mexico result kind of withstanding a draw at the Azteca is always pretty decent. But can this team, obviously this World Cup is not being played in the U.S. Uh, can this team grind out some results outside of American soil, Andrew? I, I truly think they can. I think, and this is a part that a, a lot of the world doesn't give any credit for, right? But CONCACAF away games... You are playing on these horrible fields most of the time, right? Unless you're in Canada or you're in um, or you're in Azteca, which nobody wants to be there. Um, you are playing on these second-rate fields with you know water on the field and that kind of thing. And while I don't think that used to bother us as much, almost all of our main players are now based overseas, playing at on these you know absolute gorgeous stadiums every week. Thankfully, that is what we will be. Well, <laughs> that's what we are supposed to be playing on in Qatar. I guess until we see all these fields and everything else, we won't really know. Um, but the other part of that coin is we are not playing every game as a neutral site game, right? We are, while granted, we play very well in the U.S., um, right? I think winning, you know, winning and tying games down in Azteca, I don't know that there's a harder place to play in the entire world. Right, just from a home field advantage, and you have a hundred thousand people screaming at you. Right, um, I think that this is absolutely going to kind of play into their hands of everybody being on a neutral field here. I like that for the U.S. I would, um, in a vacuum, agree with you, Andrew. But I do have concerns that we are in a group that I think's going to get a decent amount of support over in Qatar. Iran is just across the Gulf from them. I think there'll be a good amount of traveling Iranian fans and Wales hasn't been in a world cup in 60 years or whatever. They're very passionate, diehard fans mm-hmm. and the English are always going to show up and ruin everything for everybody and be drunk in the streets and beating people and getting arrested. Um, you know, very notorious for all of that, but they always travel well. So not, not the I place would- to do that, by the way, Qatar, Qatar, super not cool with that. Some uh, some Englishmen may learn some tough lessons these uh, coming weeks, we but hope, alas, we hope, officially we hope everyone's safe and has a good time. <laughs> That's an official stance on this. But alas, my point being, I think that yes, while these will be neutral site games, I think that we are in a group that has the potential to have a lot of support for their teams, which worries me. These these um, environments could be a bit negative for the U.S. Um, a bit more similar to away games than neutral site games. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if this away form kind of translates to the same as it's been the last couple of years. Yeah. The, the only th- counterpoint I would say to that maybe is just, you know, Azteca is the hardest place to play. You're not going to be playing in the Azteca. You're not going to be playing at Wembley, right? You're not going to be playing at the Wales national stadium, right? It's going to be a lot of traveling folk. We just need the U S to get out and do their part here. Yeah. It is just more than anything. I just think an interesting group and that I think a lot of teams are going to struggle to have a lot of support at this world cup, but I kind of weirdly don't think that about our group more than probably any other group, but 
nonetheless, uh, let's get into the rest of this group. We've got Iran and Wales. Which way are we taking it next, Andrew? Um, I've got Wales next. Um, the Their manager, Rob Page, has set up the uh, fighting Gareth Bales here. They play a very defensive style system. Um, they have a lot of recognizable players. If you're watching the Premier League, they've got players um, kind of playing all over there. A lot of the championship, you're going to recognize Kiefer Moore is a six-five striker who plays for them. Aaron Ramsey's played a lot of uh, high-level football. Dan James actually looked really, really good um, over the weekend here, and then the youngster Brendan Johnson from Nottingham Forest. Um, but all over, they're kind of just a very solid team, right? If you've ever done you know, played FIFA, they're guys on your team, on teams you're playing against. You're you're going to recognize a lot of these guys when the when the team sheet comes out. Um not really any key injuries or anything like that that I was able to find. Um like the USA, they're coming off of two losses in their uh friendlies, granted to Belgium and Poland, to Belgium and Poland, two other teams that are going to be competing here in the World Cup, but they're not exactly flying high coming into this. Um, their play style, like I kind of mentioned there, they are very defensive, and then they're really, really good on set pieces. Um, they've got a bunch of pretty good-sized defenders, and then Kiefer Moore um, is 6'5", right? And Gareth Bale can put it absolutely on the uh, – you know, can absolutely pick a pass and hit a free kick there. They've got a bunch of other guys who can take him as well, and then Gareth Bale's great on set pieces as well. So um, kind of that standard you talk about <clears> – <throat> excuse me, um, manager, like tournament style, right? Where you're going to be a more defensive team that tries to hit on the counter and play that way um, is how they're going to line up here, which I don't necessarily think plays into the U.S.'s hands. Um, and then as far as like weaknesses to the team, they will live and die with Gareth Bale, right? He's their best player. He's an absolute magician for the Welsh national team. Um, he just scored a huge goal in the uh, MLS cup there, but um, he, he does truly play at a better level for his national team than he has for a club team since he was running around guys for Real Madrid, right? I Wales think, uh, golf Madrid, baby <laughs> Wales golf Madrid. But um, I, I, the way I think of them is they will go as far as Gareth Bale can take them. Um, and that is, that is what we're going to see is how far Gareth Bale can take them in his in his older age. So my big takeaway from that wonderful synopsis you just kind of gave us is a question for you. Not my burning question because that is something different, but this is a new one that's arisen, arised, arisen. Arisen, yep. Cool. English lesson, the more you know. The new question that has arisen is, should I be starting a Kiefer Moore fan club in the same elk as uh, the Voot Vague Horse for just tall, obscure strikers? <laughs> he, <laughs> you would love this guy. Uh, he's very tall. Um, he's he's kind of one of, I, I think it's a funny thing that happens with a lot of bigger players is they try to show they can actually still play football, right? They always like have to take somebody on in the box or do something not unnecessary, right? But they try to do stuff. It's like, hey, man, just kick the ball hard, get in there for a header. He he will try to do a little bit more than that. I think he's a better player than that, right? Um, I would love to just slot him into the U.S. team at this point and fill him in at the nine. But um, I, I I don't know. A fan club this early seems uh, seems like a lot, and I don't want you to write out on your a board. A bit aggressive? 
Yeah, and you what you and Woot have is really special. I don't want to see you I, diminish that. Okay, so I'll tell you what, Kiefer. Just don't do anything against the U.S. because, you know, you don't need to prove anything to me in that game. Just the other games, though, you show me a little bit, maybe in Premier League fixtures here after the break even. Uh, you're in consideration, buddy, if you're listening to this. You're in consideration for a fan club, an official fan club. So I'll keep that. I'll put that on the back burner for now. And let's move on to my real more serious question about the Welsh national team is that uh, this golden generation, man, Bale, Ramsey and company, do they have one last hurrah? Yeah. Hennessy, do they have one last hurrah? Like obviously was it the um, 2016 euros where they had the great run? They obviously haven't had world cup success. Uh, I believe they were qualified at the last Euros though, as well. They've, they've had a good run for such a small nation. And do they have one last hurrah at this tournament before a bunch of these guys check out on their national careers? Um, I, I, I sure hope not because it would come at the expense of the U S I would love to see them beat England, right? They're the only team I think maybe more than us that has more of a, uh, a gripe with the English national media and that kind of thing. Um, whereas we want to see England lose because it would be, you know, great for the U S team. And, you know, we have, I think the name fish and chip says enough, enough of a legitimate gripe with how that game, how the game is covered in that way. The Welsh have that and they live right next door. We're choosing to go over there. Their stuff naturally overlaps. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Technically, buddy, I would argue they chose to come over here. So well, the English and, started this, not us. Well, I, I'm. it's more of a, you know what I mean. Um, oh, no, I just, I'm, just, I'm just clarifying for the people at home. We're staying on brand here. Absolutely. Um, the English started this. We blame them for everything. Absolutely. Anyway, continue. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 you're good. Um, it's It really is like, there's a lot of teams like this. I think it's Gareth Bale with Wales. I think it's to a point like human song with South Korea. You know, you have this one absolute international level stud. Are they going to be able to kind of carry the team on their back? And is the team going to be able to join them at a higher level? I I do think, no, I think they kind of got a, a tough group. I think in another group, I would like them more. Um, but I, I, I don't love them here. Fair enough. Um, we kind of have to hope that we don't love him because <laughs> Gareth Bale is terrifying to me. Uh, Gareth Bale in a Welsh kit, that is terrifying. So we'll see if uh, what they have is enough to knock off our boys, and we can only pray that it's not. Uh, but there is one other team in this group that could be our downfall besides England and Wales, and that is Iran, Andrew. Uh, yeah. Tell me, this is a lot more of a unknown team, an unknown quantity in this group. So uh, give me a quick rundown. What are we looking at with this team? Sure. Um, yeah, this team, another uh, interesting geopolitical team here for the U.S., is uh, managed by Carlos Quiroz, Q-U-I-E-R-O-Z, Quiroz, I believe. Um, and he's taking them to the third World Cup. Um, they run a 4-1-4-1 defensive formation historically under them. Um, they actually, well, you say that they actually had a different manager who was leading their team. And he got fired about two months ago to go back to kind of dance with who's gotten them there historically. So um, somebody else basically got them all or most of the way through qualifying there. And then the Iranian team said, nope, we're going back to uh, to these guys here. Um, they're the most notable injury kind of wraps up with one of their key players. Um, his name is Sadar Ausman. He plays for Bayern Leverkusen as a striker. 
Um, he has been nursing an injury with Leverkusen. He was named to the squad. Um, but between him and then um, Mehdi Taremi, who plays for Porto, who you recognize from the odd Champions League game or something like that, pops up with a goal, um, are both uh, strikers capable of scoring for Iran. Um, especially when you think of the way they are going to play very defensive, shut down everything, and then try to hit you on the counter or from set pieces. Um, it's absolutely not who I would want to see from, like, just to keep with the USA perspective that we can't help but shake here. Someone who is tried and true at defense but has better strike, you know, talent just at the striker position, right? Like, either Taremi or Ausman, take your pick in this group. You could make an argument that they're the best striker out, not named Harry Kane. Right. And that from a team that, you know, people are picking to finish towards the bottom of this group says a lot. I definitely don't think of them as a as an easy out. Right. I think they might are going to have a hard time scoring. They tend to kind of get overrun in the midfield is what I've seen from them. But um, based on just like their talent alone, I would take either one of those guys starting for for the U.S. at the nine. So, like, you know, gun to your head. You can only pick one of those two guys and new folk hero Kiefer Moore. Who are you taking? Um, I, I'm going to take Taremi. I'm going to take Taremi for Porto. I've seen him play more. Um, Ausman for Leverkusen, right? You see him pop up in Champions League, and they've kind of got an interesting attack there, right, with uh, Florian Verts and Callum Hudson-Odoi and that kind of thing. But um, I think Taremi, because I, th- I think of him as kind of one of the guys for Portugal or for Porto in that attack. So having him do it for the Iranian team, I don't think is too far off. Fair enough. Uh, that's a that's a knock against the potential fan club of Kiefer Moore, but alas, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll 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 cool it down the Kiefer Moore shenanigans uh, on Iran. Um, they're obviously kind of, I'd say, slept on in this group. Not a lot of talk about them. Like I said, they're kind of more just an unknown quantity compared to the other three teams, which get a lot of media coverage. My thing with Iran is uh, obviously there's some good players that you detailed there, some guys that play at high levels in Europe. And I think for me, something that's concerning, which leads into my question, are we not considering that for a World Cup that's going to be so weird, uh, played in a weird climate in a weird part of the world, at least traditionally, this is a team that's from right across the goal from Qatar. Uh, like I kind of detailed earlier, they'll probably have a pretty decent traveling contingent contingency of fans. Are we underrating that this Iranian team a on paper is probably better than what we're making them out to be at times and mm-hmm. B they have a bit of a home field advantage compared to most of the teams in this group. Is that going to be more of a factor than we're kind of talking about, or at least the mainstream media is kind of talking about leading into this tournament? I, I like to think I before when the draw, let's put it this way. When the draw came out, I was very happy to see Iran in our group just because of who they weren't right at the time. That could have been a more, a more scary, more challenging team after looking into them. I am much less happy to see a team that is going to park the bus be our, I believe they're the USA's third game where we may really need a result, right? Um, that's a scary kind of lineup that way because they could just be playing for a draw and they get through. And if we if they need a draw and we need, you know, goals, I really don't like that. Um, 
To answer your question about the home support, I definitely agree on the distance. What I don't know is sometimes there is a very contentious relationship between those Middle Eastern countries that are close to one another. So what I, I can't speak to whether they're going to have 80% of the crowd or basically have no, you know, no percentage of the crowd, right? I don't, I don't pretend to know what the Middle Eastern relationship is between the two countries, right? I don't think either would shock me. I think what you're proposing is a safer bet. Um, but I, 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 I can't super speak to that um, geopolitical question, but I certainly don't love seeing him in the group. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um, just like a little kind of, I'm like the same thing as you of like, it's something I didn't really think about at the time, but the more you dive into it, there's a little more to be concerned about with this team from a U.S. standpoint than uh, was led to believe in the first place. But we can kind of get into what, how big of a factor we actually think that is. Uh, let's go ahead and rank these four teams, Andrew. Uh, who do you have top in this group? I did. I, I, I have a bet in on the U.S. to win this group, so I would love to be wrong and take some money here. I did put England at the top spot. Um, looking into it more, just their depth is kind of what won me over that way. But I do have England, unfortunately, in the top spot. Spencer? Well, as we said before, I prefaced my last predictions. I like to get wacky on here. <laughs> I hate English. I think that they are a very overrated football soccer team. And alas, all that, I do have them, unfortunately, topping this group as well. Yeah. I, I just, kind of, the, I the, the end group of, kind of breaks nicely for them. At the end of the day, I think that they're going to have enough. They avoided another, as, as much as I love to pump the U.S.'s tires, they avoided another super team in the in this uh, group. So they just have the most on paper. They've been rolling the last couple years. I, I, I do have concerns with this team, but I think they're going to have enough. I think they drop points at some point in this group, but I think it's a lot more of a dogfight for that second spot. There's going to be points dropped in this group. I don't think it's going to be two teams that just kind of plow through this. Uh, I think they'll have enough to get it done and finish in the top spot. Would love to disagree with you, but we are in agreement. Um, moving on to my second place team, I do have the U.S. getting out of the group here. Spencer, you believe in the boys? I'm very concerned about Welsh Gareth Bale. I'm very concerned about Iran doing something that none of us are really expecting but god damn it i'm not going against <laughs> the boys usa baby they're finishing second in this group they're gonna be right there with england we might get a result in it against england honestly we might I, draw england i think the problem is gonna be we might finish even in points with england the problem is gonna be that england's gonna batter iran or something like five nil even though i just spent all this time kind of pumping iran's tires I uh I do have the U.S. I've I will be serious for a moment. I've gone back and forth with this a little bit. I do have concerns about our boys, the form in particular of late, but I think we got enough to uh, get second in this group. Andrew, uh, kind of rounding mine out. I do have the Welsh finishing third in this group and Iran finishing fourth. We kind of touched on the other groups we've done. Um, I. It's kind of a 
toss up of a bag there. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think this group's going to be close. I think this is the type of group that's going to come down to the last day. I think it's going to really, in all honesty, be very close for that second spot. We might see a situation where England's clinched going into the final day and the other three teams are all alive for that second spot and those results mm-hmm. are going to be huge. So um, I think it's going to be a very tightly contested group. And we'll just kind of have to see how it falls. Uh, who do you have third and fourth? Just rounding it out um, real quick before I, we move actually, on to Group C. No, you're fine. I actually went with Iran here. Um, just in looking at researching into this group, I talked myself more and more into them as just a team where I think Wales will go for it more, especially against teams like England and the U.S. Right where they have that that thing where they're on equal footing. Whereas I think Iran will go into every game with this idea of we will drop back, we will defend we will hit somebody on the counter if we can right we'll hit a set piece but I think Wales is going to try to play a little bit more football and I would not be shocked if you were talking about like England having a big uh a big score line there I think that could be against Wales right if anything was going to happen I think that could put them on the bottom fair enough Andrew um it'll be interesting I'm even even if it wasn't the U.S.'s group, this is a group that's very fascinating to me, and um, I'm very excited kind of to see how it plays out here in the end. So that is it for Group A and B. We are, clearly you just heard our predictions there. Spencer is taking absolute shots in the dark with Qatar. I'm backing Ecuador. We're taking shots in Group A, and we got the hometown team in Group B. So what more could you want? Spencer, Andrew, any I kind still, of final thoughts here? I still can't believe that, like, we both just were like, yeah, Senegal, we're we're out on Senegal. It's just kind of crazy, right? Because I think that's kind of like the chalky pick for second in this group, and we're both just like, nah. We keep it bold on this podcast, man. That's why you guys come to us. We keep it bold. We're not going to fall into the normalcy of everybody else. That's just like all your friends are going to be sitting there and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Senegal. I heard they were good. They won AFCON. Yeah, they're definitely going through, right? Like, no, you, you're going to be the, you know, have all this great hot takes. knowledge, hot, hot takes, takes, reasoning behind why the host Qatar aren't going to be the next South Africa. Or, and even sometimes more importantly, reasons to call us idiots. Either way, we are excited to uh, to bring you Group A and B, and we can promise for the same level of idiocy and, uh, well, hopefully competency as we get into the rest of the groups here. Yeah, Group C and D up next. That's coming to you guys tomorrow. Just remember, uh, if you do want to call us idiots, be sure to tweet it at us, at Fish Fries Pod. That's a great place to shout from the mountaintops how stupid we are when these predictions go horribly sideways. But nowhere great place better to do than it the there. Internet. If you do want to say something nice to us. Yeah. If you want to say something nice to us, you can even do it on there also. So whichever. I uh, take the criticism. You take the good with the bad. So either way, we'll, we'll be happy to hear from you guys. Uh also, just be sure, guys, follow, subscribe, like, comment, reviews. That all really helps us. That helps a lot more people hear how stupid we are, how smart you think we are, whichever one. Just really helps us get out there and really helps us to be seen. So we'd really appreciate it, you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, Spencer. We will, uh, we will quite literally talk to you tomorrow. We'll see you guys tomorrow with the next round of predictions. Andrew. Until then, buddy, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it.